Hello, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theater Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theater writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Uphoff-Gray, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theater Company, and this is Theater Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theater from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theater in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 93 of Theater Forward. 93, all right. It's a good number. Uh, for this episode, we are going to talk about understudies, the unsung heroes of the theater world, and now more than ever before. And for this conversation, we are joined by two amazing actors who have personal experience in this area, Raina Roman and Kylie Azure Green. Raina is an actor and singer based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She's also a member of Forward's advisory company. Kylie is a performer and movement director currently working in Southern Wisconsin at Children's Theater of Madison and American Players Theater. Welcome, Raina and Kylie. Thank you. It's so good to have you both here. And um, can we just start? I'd love to have you each um, just uh, uh, tell us a little bit of, of who you are as a theater artist, and then we will get into your, your understudy war stories. Um, Raina, why don't we start with you? Um, I am a, I started out primarily doing musical theater. Um, that's my first love and, um, you know, have been fortunate enough to be able to branch out into, uh, non-musical theater as well. Um, but, uh, pre pandemic, uh, I was one of the fortunate few folks that were, um, making a full-time living, uh, just performing. So, um, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. We're trying to put those things all back together now that everybody's up and running, but one day at a time, one show at a time. Exactly. Yeah. And Kylie, how about you? Um, I'm originally from uh, Utah. Um, and I also started in musical theater. I got uh, some of my musical theater training from Utah Valley University. Uh, and then end of 2020, I moved out to Washington, D.C. to continue my professional career. Um, which is then how I got connected with a director who got me to um, American Players Theater. Um, on top of being an actor, as you said, I'm movement direct, but I love anything movement on stage. The so movement direction, choreography, fight direction, and then a newer aspect of theater, uh, intimacy direction as well. So also right. me in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, so Kylie, let's talk about your some of your understudy experiences first. And Honestly, that's how um, all of us at Forward Theater got to know you because, you know, we are regular attendees and fans of the work happening every summer out at American Players Theater. And you were in every show I saw. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes I know that that was planned and sometimes it wasn't. And I have really uh, jokingly, but quite sincerely, um, been calling you the MVP of their season uh, because uh, I know you really jumped in on so many levels. And um, I would love to just hear a little bit of, about that, what that summer was like, and also whether you've had a lot of other understudy experiences. This was, you know, really your trial by fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this summer, this past summer was um, incredible. Um so I originally was hired this past season as a assistant director for the rivals with Aaron Posner. And then I was an understudy um, and I was given eight understudy tracks total. Uh, I had four in love labor's lost and four in sense of sensibility. Um, and, you know, of course I came out there really excited and 
hopeful for the season and also hoping that I would never be utilized because that is part of being an understudy. Um, oh gosh, which story do you want me to start with? <laughs> so um, the first time I ended up on stage was um, was for The Rivals, the show I had an assistant directed. We had an actor who needed to uh, take care of some things in their lives. Um, and so about, I think a week before it opened, maybe two weeks, um, Brenda DeVita texted me and was like, hey, can we talk? And I was like, sure. And that's when they were like, hey, will you step into this really small role um, so this actor can take care of other things, take care of their other shows? Um, and for a limited time, we just need someone to take care of it for two weeks. And I was like, absolutely. Like, I love this play. I love these people. I'd love to be on that stage. Um, and then I never left. Um, the next one um, is the, the most wild. So I'll, I'll take a bit more time with this. Um, for those of you who have not been to APT, there are two spaces. Uh, there's the Up the Hill Theater, and then there's the Touchstone, which is an indoor space. Um, Up the Hill was Sense and Sensibility playing that night, one of the shows I understudy. Um, and I had gotten tickets to see The River Bride, which was inside at the Touchstone. And as a good under, uh, good audience member, I turned off my phone. As a bad understudy, I turned off my phone. Um, uh, yeah, about 20 minutes into the show, I'm sitting second row center. And house staff comes and waves me down. And I turn to look at them. A whole row, our whole row turned to look at them. And she points at me. And I pointed at myself to, like, me? She nodded, and I immediately, immediately thought, I'm going on for Sense and Sensibility. Something has happened. I am needed. I picked up my stuff and followed them out. And, and they confirmed, like, hey, you're needed up the hill. We have an actor down. And I was like, okay, who am I going on for? We don't know. <laughs> okay. We start heading up the hill. I do get picked up by one of the amazing assistant stage managers. Um, Alexandra. You're physically running and up the hill? Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew they were coming, so I didn't want to miss them. So I was just kind of walking. But I, there's only one way to come up and down the hill on a golf cart. So I got picked up. Um, and that is when I learned, uh, A, that everyone was running around with their heads uh, off, like, you know, chickens, just frantic. Because um, they, they had an actor her on top of trying to find me. Um, so, like, if I could be calm, cool, and collected. Uh, and that's when I learned that I was going on for Margaret Dashwood, which is the youngest Dashwood sister. Uh, I get up the hill. Brenda DeVita comes running out. She's like, are you ready? Can you do this? And I I think I maybe forgot what was happening. And I was like, yes, who am I going on for? Do I have a wig? I need a script. Can I go to the bathroom? And um, was also very upfront about the fact that, like, I, I, would, I would go on and I would do it and I would help support the show so all of my other wonderful friends could finish a show that they spent so much time on and I um had never had a put in um and I did not have my understudy script so all of my notations my blocking um was at home where I worked on it um so they got me a blank script and while getting dressed I was highlighting my lines and um for the most part people are like she's a 14 year old girl stay by mom you'll be fine. And I was like, great. Um, and the first act was wild because she never really leaves the stage. And she's a character that loves these uh, bugs. So I also would get off stage and the stage, an ASM would shove another prop in my hand and then shove me back on stage. Um, but thankfully we got through the first act and then second act much easier for her. And um, 
it was wild and wonderful and uh, an incredible evening for not only just me, but like everyone that got to kind of show up and support and audience members that I've run into have been like, I was there that night. Um, so many exciting uh, points of view. I love hearing about everyone else and where they were that night. <laughs> and well, that was number two. Right? Love flavors lost. Sorry. Yeah. So then opening second rep and I wake up to a spring green caller ID and I was like okay okay I can do this and um Evelyn is on the other side of the phone and she was like I know I'm the last person you want to hear from right now but um Matthew Benison Cruz who plays Moth and Lives Labor's Lost has symptoms of COVID we want to start prepping you for the role there was a preview I think either that night or the night after I don't remember exactly so I was like, okay, I just woke up. I'm a shower and eat and I will be there. Um, but they hadn't opened yet. So I was also walking into still a rehearsal process. Um, so I think the first thing that I did when I got there was I learned the songs because uh, there's uh, Moth played a song in the ukulele and then sang at the end of the show. And then Moth and Armado had a small sword fight. So then I also spent some tri- time with uh, Trini Sandoval sort of learning and or re-choreographing this uh fight that happens in act one um and then because of covid and covid restrictions for equity um i did that show for about two weeks um and uh yeah wow (laughs) so those were the three i accidentally had a full season um at att (laughs) amazing I, i don't know that you're you're um can i really quickly say that i got my equity card as an asm understudy for a play in New York called The Widow Claire. And I was understudying Hallie Foote, whose whose father wrote the play, Horton Foote wrote the play. She was always concerned that, you know, I mean, somehow if I go on, you know, her father would start writing roles for me. (laughs) No. (laughs) But I do want to say, because I'm not hearing it from you, Kylie. So I was the ASM, so I really did know the play. But the first time I went on, I remember walking off stage and I said to four of my cast members, I have no idea where I am right now. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, right. Here's a script. Here's what you do. Here's the next scene. And what I'm not hearing is is the is the panic involved in this. You seem to be very like, yes, I'll jump up. But um I think your head goes to some other place. There is there is Right. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, some alternate reality. And I can't uh-huh. imagine running or, you know, being carted up the hill, wondering what role you're going to play in a, you know, in a half an hour. Yeah. I will say that absolutely there was panic, but I knew <laughs> the only move forward was to, to show up. And I will say my ability to retell the story has also come because I've been able to sit back and think about that night. I've heard other points of views. But if you would ask me the morning after what happened. No idea. I think I did a show. I said words on the stage, right? Like that. Yeah. Right. Yes. Panic, right. Right. indeed. Exactly. Well, we're going to come back to some. We're going to come back to some of that. But Reina, um, I would love to hear um, some of your understudy story um, in terms of your experience. Because I know that over the past year, you have both been an understudy and also been able to rely on an understudy who covered for you. 
So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, up until last season, my experience with understudies was, you know, being on the the receiving end of of someone being able to go on for me. Um, and those though that happened maybe three times between 2006 and 2022. Mm-hmm. Three times. One, I had full bronchitis and couldn't speak. And I was, I was in a show that I was speaking and singing. Um, and so the, the director of the show um, was a young Latin female and she went on with a script. Um, so the panic was on her end, but obviously she knew the show just as well as any of us. Um, the second time, same person, uh, my grandmother had passed away in Puerto Rico and the company said, no, you go, you go, we'll take care of it. You go. Um, she was not the director at the, of, or assistant director, anything, uh, but she was the company manager. And so she, again, went on in my stead with a script. Um, and I think that's it. Was it yeah. say three times? Yeah. I think that's it. Um, I then fast forward to 2022 and I was asked if I could be an understudy uh, for uh, Titanic at the Milwaukee Rep, um, be a part of the ensemble and then also understudy. Um, I was asked to understudy two tracks and I said, give me the weekend to read the script and and listen to the soundtrack. And I really needed to decide if I thought I was capable of learning an ensemble track plus two principal tracks. I, I wasn't sure that I could because I, as, and I've been quoted saying this before, I think understudies are magical unicorns that have, <laughs> that have a certain way of thinking and organizing that not all of us have. So I, honest to God, was like, I'm not one of those people because I'd seen other people do it over and over again, last minute, like you just described. And I was like, that's not me. That sounds like nightmares that I've had. Um, so the tracks were small enough, the, the lead tracks were small enough that I, and I had enough lead time that I thought, yeah, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Um, uh, but then when I actually got my contract, there were three roles that I was understanding. So it was um, age range from like 28 to 60. I was being asked to be able to portray. Um, so, but because of the way things are set up at the rep with their um, uh, internship program, their EPR program, um, rehearsals and even a full run through are built in to the process. So no one, not, not that there isn't any level of, um, you know, nerves or, or anything like that, but you are very much prepared to go on. Um, and because I was understudying all three of those tracks, our, our understudy run, I actually played all three in the understudy run. And it was, I wish it had been filmed because that was just, uh, it, it was so much fun and I'm sure it was funny 
to watch it, especially in some key moments where we literally have husbands just passing, you know, one, one after the next, just switching from man to man to keep the storyline going <laughs> with three different people. Um, so yeah, we were, I was very, very prepared. Um, so when I went on, um, for the first time during our first run of Titanic, um, it was a, a day of thing. I knew by the end of the first show um, that there was a good possibility that one of my um, overstudies was going to be out. And so I had time to like let that sit and then got confirmation that for sure I was going to be going in. Um, so for me, instead of it being panic, it was so much fun. Um, the only part that you don't get to do is actually rehearse it on stage in costume with costume changes, you know, that's all missing, but you blocking wise and music wise, that is all taken care of ahead of time. Um, you know, that's a, a, a luxury of, 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 you know, that particular theater and that program. So, um, then the, my final, so I actually was supposed to go on when we got shut down because the entire cast got COVID. Um, uh, we were supposed to be going and I was going to have to go in for Carrie Hitchcock that day for the first time. Um, and I, but I, you know, I would have been ready. It would have, it would have been okay. Um, but too many of us, uh, were, were ill, um, to, to let the show go on. Um, so when they remounted the second time, we had two offstage swings that first time. So when I went in for, for a principal, there was an offstage swing who went in for me. Um, and, uh, the second time around, they actually hired nine offstage swings. <laughs> yes. You mean they weren't just Kylie? <laughs> no, no. Nine, nine offstage swings. So uh, that reduced my cover track. So I was only covering two instead of three because then they had a dedicated offstage swing for the third. Mm -hmm. um, but of the nine, all but two went on during the run. Mm. We opened, we spent the first week, maybe 10 days with like two or three understudies on. Mm -hmm. um, so those swings who came in and, and watched, they, they didn't come in until the week before tech. So they came in and they watched and, uh, and then they were in mm -hmm. for opening weekend. And, and then a week after we open, then we actually do our understudy run. So they got to run like the other tracks that they, you know, had. but yeah, that's, that's what it took for a cast of, I think 16, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, if it was just the show proper, it would have been 16 in order to adequately cover it. It took nine extra cast members. Yeah. 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 And tell us about your, um, your Evita experience. Oh, blessed angel. Um, so, uh, when I found out that we had two show days for Evita, I was like, are you bananas? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know that I could do that twice in a day. Um, but they, this year for the first time, Skylight Music Theater has an internship program. Um, they have four 
performers that, you know, do their education program and um, had been understudies in shows prior to Evita. Um, but for Evita, because it typically is a very large ensemble piece, um, uh, they were starting on stage for, for the first time that they were going to be on all the time. Um, and so I did have a dedicated understudy, uh, but who was a part of an incredibly valuable ensemble. Uh, normally there's like 24 to 30 people in an Evita ensemble and we had eight. So they were running around singing and dancing their hearts out, um, trying to, you know, be the entire population of Buenos Aires. Um, but, uh, this young woman, um, uh, was a very, you know, fine singer and a really strong personality. Like I was nervous when we went in on the, on the first day, cause they all look so very, very young. And I was like, this is a lot to ask of someone if they've just come out of college. Um, but through the rehearsal process, um, you know, I got to watch her a little bit more and she's, she was not 22 and she did have more experience and she, uh, had a lot of, um, uh, autonomy to her voice, like, like sticking up for herself and others. And I was like, okay, okay. She, 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 she's capable of doing this. Um, so yeah, in our very last week, uh, I was battling a cold on top of vocal fatigue and, um, I was on all the steroids a person could be on, but it just could not keep up with the post-nasal drip that kept agitating my throat. So um, we mercifully got canceled on a Friday when we got that big snowstorm. And that gave me a full, like, you know, 36 hours or so to, you know, rest vocally. Um, uh, so I was able to come in and do, no, I think, was it the Thursday? Mm-hmm. It's been it Thursday, Thursday. So yeah. yeah. So then I was able to come in and do the Friday show. Um, but by the end of the Friday show, I was actually um, losing my voice, which was something that had not happened throughout the rest of the cycle of my cold. You know, my voice was just different, but it wasn't going away. Um, so I was like, now I'm actually losing it. Um, and so we just we decided that uh, she would go on for the matinee. Um, and in hopes that I might be able to do the evening show. Um, but I, I went and watched her matinee, um, and was just so incredibly proud that she, the she had all the material, she had all the words, she had all the blocking, she had all the notes, you know, she was a completely different human being under completely different circumstances. Um, but I'll be damned if she did not keep that show going and, and not have a, the company who is a, a smaller company, um, not have them lose all those tickets. Um, because all the tickets that had been, uh, had to be canceled for Thursday night were put into the, the, the matinee on Saturday. Um, and uh, you know, I was not better enough for Saturday night. So, you know, I went and hugged her and cried and, and said, would you, would, would you like another crack at it? You know, where you can be more present in your body. <laughs> and she said, yes. Um, so it was such a gift. And what that allowed me to do then was to be able to actually close the show mm -hmm. on Sunday. Um, and, you know, to, to not close a show that had begun literally three years earlier, um, 
would have been heartbreaking for me. Um, you know, we were in rehearsals for, for the concert version of this show when COVID shut everything down. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was something that I needed to finish. And, um, literally the very next day I had, I, I did the show and people didn't know that I was sick. I knew I was sick. I knew I was making changes and there was like one area where something came out that was like, whoop, everybody heard that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the very next day I literally had no voice and I couldn't walk. I, I had a, a inflamed, um, like old injury in my foot and I, I couldn't, I couldn't even walk. And the day before I was in ballroom shoes, dancing and dying. <laughs> like I felt fine in the show. I cannot explain it. I cannot explain the foot, but yeah. Can I, can I ask? Oh, sorry, Jen. Um, to both of you, uh, there was a time, um, like when if the if the person that people have bought tickets for was not in the show for whatever reason, people moved their tickets. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if that's going to become less and less. Like audience members will just anticipate now that the audience, the cast that they came to see might not be entirely um, there. And, and you know what you guys think about that? I think that, you know, it as people understand um, all of the regulations that go along with um, COVID safety protocols, I think that is going to be more normalized. Um, and I guess I don't know how it works for other theaters, but in, in our case, there wasn't like a notification that goes out that gives people time to change their tickets. Um, so there's just an announcement at the top of the show, you know, the role of Ava Perone, normally played by Raina Roman, will be played by Sarah Sapien. Um, so everyone found out there. Yeah. In the moment. Well, and, it, and, and I'm glad you you brought that question up, Julie, because I think it's, it's so, um, thank you both for sharing like some of your personal uh, uh, successes and travails uh, in this area. Um, but I, I think one of the main reasons we want to talk about it on this podcast is because, I mean, the idea of understudies has always been a big part of the theater business, but it has changed dramatically in the last few years um, at every level, you know, at the Broadway level where, you know, yeah, they would, there would always be understudies um, and occasionally someone would go on or you'd have a planned cover you know, so someone's not singing a difficult role eight shows a week, mm -hmm. but you know, you'd show up and maybe there'd be someone in the ensemble who's out or, you know, you'd have one little slip in your program. So at the Broadway level now you could go and half the company might be covers mm -hmm. and understudies and swings. Mm -hmm. um, but all the way, all the way down, I mean, you know, smaller regional companies like ours, bigger regional companies like the rep and APT, um, even school companies now, people are routinely hiring understudies because the alternative is having to cancel a lot of performances because mm -hmm. COVID, obviously, the biggest part of that, but it's also not just COVID because part of the, the reassessment of our field that has been happening, motivated both by the pandemic, but also by a lot of the social justice reckoning and the racial justice reckoning has caused our field to really examine our work conditions 
Mm-hmm. And a big part of the ethos of folks working in the theater was always the show must go on. And I can't tell you the number of um, actors I've worked with who I later found out were going on feeling ill or with a minor injury. I mean, obviously if we knew someone was really sick or had a major injury, we were taking them out of the show, but we mm-hmm. didn't hire understudies for everything for our little three week run. We were like, yeah, the odds are we're going to get through. Okay. And I'd rather give the money that we have to pay everybody a little bit better. Mm-hmm. That's not the world anymore. Right. You, you kind of have to. I would add on Jen too. It was, it's not just the sick. It's even what, what Raina you were saying about, you know, and they were nice enough to let me, um, go, my, my grandmother passed away. Mm-hmm. I hope that post-pandemic, that's just a given. Yep. We have understudies now. And if somebody close to you is sick or has passed away, artists should be able to go. And that has- Or even that, weddings. Or yeah. weddings, exactly. Yes. And that has not been the case. You've either I, had to take the gig or go to the wedding, but they could never meet. And, and I hope in this advent of really talented understudies, people can go to weddings and funerals or take off time when they're not feeling well. Yeah, I should, I should say, so um, my grandmother passed in like 2011, I think. Um, and, and I was equity already by then. So like, it was more than just the company saying, be, being nice. It's in, it was in my contract. Too, you know, like when those things happen, equity has uh, three or four days you are allowed to take for bereavement when it close family members. Um, so, a, it was my right, and and I was the one thinking maybe I shouldn't. I have no understudy, and the company was like, "Don't you dare! You will go. You will go be with your family. We will handle it." Like it was a first stage children's theater. Um, and and the the woman who went on for me, Desi Rosas, had actually just lost a grandparent a few months before then and left sooner than she would have liked to. That was her decision to, to come back earlier. And she told me, I will not let you make the same mistake that I made. Mm. So um, both the combination of what our union puts in place for us and also you know, the, the company making sure that those of us who were used to just going on under any circumstance, uh, they stopped me from making a bad decision. I love the fact that in addition to all the ways this is obviously a, a, a humane and necessary development in terms of the evolution of, of this profession into one that is it's more workable um, and fair for the people who are in it. It's re-educating in really good ways audiences. I mean, that's obviously the perspective. You know, these stories have just reconfirmed for me all the reasons why, you know, even even though I wanted to be an actor once upon a time and had zero talent, even if I had, had talent, I never could have done what the two of you have described to <laughs> it. I mean, it's just like, it just blows my mind and it just is why I adore actors so much. But, but and audiences need to be educated, especially in terms of what we've seen on Broadway in the last 15 to 20 years with this sort of buildup of an ever greater star system with more and more imports from California in shows. The idea that in this genuinely and and generally collaborative enterprise, that there are a lot of people who can do this really well in a company that is investing properly in its resources. And Kylie, you know, Jen said it. I mean, you blew all of us away uh, those of us that got to see you at APT last summer, I didn't even know who you were going into that. And I haven't missed an APT show in, in forever. 
Um, so for that to be part of that season and for that to be your first season there was just a gift to audiences. It was an exciting, you know, sort of add on for people who who didn't know that they were going to get that. And instead of thinking of it as, oh, bummer, there's an understudy in this show. It's like, wow, I have enough trust and faith in this company and the way it trains its people to know I am going to learn about another wonderful, exciting artists in the way that APT has been introducing me to wonderful, exciting artists forever. And that is a great thing for audience members to think about so that we start really seeing the work as, 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 a, as this collaboration of all these, all these great people and also being surprised um, by people that we might have otherwise never been able to see. And I'm, it's, I'm not, I don't mean to romanticize the hardships that, that you all have gone through, but it is a huge gift for those of us, and not just because the shows are able to go on. Well, and there's such a an energy that I feel when I'm in an audience for a show that's not one I've worked on, when I'm just a, a patron uh, sitting in a show. And when you know that somebody is an understudy, you just feel everybody in the audience leaning in in support of that human. Yep. Mm-hmm. And their efforts. It becomes this collective sort of like a, like a like cheering on your sports team, right? Like, oh, here comes the underdog and we are going to root for them. I mean, that's the vibe that I, I always feel when I'm in the house for a show where that other city has gone on. And it's such a wonderful reinforcement for an audience of the incredible liveness of theater mm-hmm. and the fact that every show you see is different, slightly sometimes, but different from the one someone saw the day before or the day after and how special that is. Yes, yes. There, there is absolutely no way I would have gotten through Sense and Sensibility without every single person, without Laura Rook and Samantha Newcomb and, and Nancy Rodriguez, who are the Dashwood family, um, as well as Marcus Straczynski and, and Ty Fanning, who are the, the two men who interact the most with that family. Um, kind of being either pushed in the right direction or, or remind, like even before we go on or whispered in my ear, like where we need to be or what I need to take off stage. Um, but I was nodding in enthusiasm because I have been able to experience that as an understudy and as, uh, an, an understudy being on stage with a newer understudy. Um, cause we, when I went on in love's labor's lost, it was for COVID and we had several COVID cases go through the company those few weeks. So, they prepped me for Moth. I did a show. I think we even did another day rehearsals. And then I think it was opening day. We learned that Sarah Day uh, had tested positive and was not going to be able to do the show. And so we had to then spend the day of our final rehearsal prepping Nancy to go on for Boyette. But then I was also Nancy's understudy for Market Day. So then we were trying to find who's going to do Market Day since Kylie's doing Moth. So that energy of everyone just being like, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Who can do what? Like, let, like, yes, we sometimes need to drop the ball and cancel the show because we do need to take care of our community and give people a break and give time to prepare. And also the joy and wildness of like, how are we going to do it? We'll, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also kind of experienced, not kind of, we did experience that as well with um, Sense Sensibility because Sarah was out. Tracy Arnold uh, was Sarah's understudy and Tracy so wonderfully was like, they don't need to bring in my understudy. I can just do both tracks. And so Tracy Arnold absorbed Sarah Day's track and they added, they simplified her costume so she could do really quick, 
like head and like shawl costume changes. But Tracy Arnold Arnold did her initial role and Sarah Day's track. And I remember the show, the first show where they said, you know, the role of Sarah Day is going to be played by. There was this initial like, oh, because the audience is there, loves Sarah Day. She's been there for, I don't even know how many years. And then they heard it was Tracy Arnold. And then there was a little more excitement. And then and hearing and watching the audience realize that Tracy was doing both of these roles was mm-hmm. so fun. It was so fun. And then just so exciting to be on stage with Tracy and take care of Tracy and take care of our understudies as we just strive to continue to create the art that we love. It's such great energy. <laughs> I'm so glad you talked about that because um, that is... It's such an energizing thing. You guys do long runs at at APT and we do long runs at the rep. And so there is nothing more exciting than when a swing is going in for the first time. You do, you rally around them. Everybody like, you know, the rest of us, we know our show backwards and forwards. So we actually have time to help them with like little things like they, depending on how they prep, you know, understudies have like note cards so that they, you know, it's all shorthand reviewing before they go on. But the stuff that they don't necessarily know might be like the pace at which you need to take this traffic pattern, what order to put your costume pieces on, because, you know, the person who's standing next to you knows that it might get snagged in your skirt. So you're going to want to put your skirt on shirt first and your shoes on last, you know, so like giving all of those little tidbits to help a person walk on stage and look like nothing happened, nothing happened. (laughs) You know, that energy backstage is so, so gorgeous. Um, Yeah, it is. And then it carries as much of a show backstage as it is on stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That energy from everyone supporting carries onto the stage and continuing that. And there is an element of like, I don't know, I'm out of body. And at the same time, everyone is so present. Yeah. And so aware of what's going on. And the audience feels that. So like, I, I just got to go see the the Broadway tour of To Kill a Mockingbird. And I sat down and opened my thing and Scout's understudy was on. And I was like, I'm so excited to see an understudy. And, <laughs> yeah. and I don't know if it was just me creating all the energy, but it felt, it always is so exciting. Yeah. And I don't think it's a new thing. I think people were open to understudies pre-pandemic. It's just, we've had to have way more of them the whole nother since level. 2020 yeah. yeah one of my favorite moments of all time sorry this will be the last thing i'll say about it <laughs> of my favorite moments uh when i was on for uh alice who uh, was normally played by lillian lillian castillo um uh this beautiful moment i'm in an evening gown the lights are ridiculous Um, and, uh, I was supposed to step upstage center, but didn't remember to step upstage center. I'm not even doing anything. I'm not singing. Somebody else is someone else's moment. And Matt Daniels just gently takes his hand, places it on, on the, you know, the middle of my back and just a little, (laughs) and I was like, that's right. (laughs) I would have stood there out of my life had Matt not in full, you know, in character, just so kind you know it's I, I, I I'm gonna start to kind of wind our conversation down only because I know we could easily do this for many many hours and we've been, <laughs> we've been talking for a bit now but you know it's been um I, I have frequently myself and heard heard colleagues over these last couple of years talk about just this broad topic of understudies and it uh 
since COVID began with, with a sense of, you know, sort of slumping of the shoulders, you know, for companies that didn't routinely hire them, it's more expensive. Even for companies that did routinely hire them, they're now, I mean, nine swings for Titanic, right? So it's, it, it's a huge expense. It's a big complication. It's, it's, a, it's a safety net that's being utilized more often. So that comes with a lot of mental stress and headaches as you're sorting everything out. So there's no question that the way in which the part of our ecosystem that understudies fulfill has evolved in ways that can be tiring or stressful or expensive or all of those things. But what this conversation is really reminding me is that it has been, it's a boon for audiences in a lot of ways, not just because maybe a show doesn't have to be canceled otherwise, but that energy we're all talking about, that sense of peeking behind the curtain, that reminder of the liveness, all of that, all of that good energy that comes out of an understudy situation for an audience, but also all the ways in which, I mean, our field is getting healthier. And the fact that it's not as, it, it's just a more normal thing to say, I need to miss a show and have my understudy go on, whether it's for more remunerative employment or a family emergency or an illness, whatever it is, that that's going to make all of us healthier as a field. And that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And so keeping keeping those things in balance and remembering all the goodness that we are getting out of this um, deeper engagement with our understudies now compared to a few years ago. It's, yeah. uh, it's a good reminder. My goodness, I'm so grateful to both of you for sharing these stories. Yes. I went on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> this, this seems like a conversation to be continued like over beers. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, the horror sure. stories. Oh, yeah. We want to hear, you know. Yeah. That's for another time. So but. good. I will say that that is all for this particular <laughs> episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. I'm Jenna Hoff Gray. And I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced as always by the great Scott Hayden. No understudy there, because if something happened to him, we would be in real trouble. Um, And you can follow us or share your thoughts uh, on Facebook or Twitter. That's at Theater Forward. As always, theater spelled with an E-R. And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And please be sure to leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. We're so grateful to have you listening and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.